Take it. The cops look out there. Stand back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. Welcome to another episode of Bipolar Teddy Bear. Bipolar Teddy Bear. My name's David Reed. People call me Reed. <laughs> My host over here, Mr. Cecil Fletcher. Woohoo! Yeah. He is so hot. Most of the time. Most of the time. I'm never <laughs> hot. I'm always like the other side of the pillow. Cool. <laughs> I try to be hot all the time. I, I sweat enough to show that. <laughs> well that's that's uh that's life that's that's the human condition sweaty sweaty balls i'm sure a lot of people know but the electric was out for a few days and across most of the nation yep and i had uh mud butts severely oh no because it was too cold to really shower you know so well like what can you do it was so bad that when i sat down on chairs it felt like i was sliding off so i had to take when when the electric came back on i had to take like five showers to get all the grime off and use a scrub brush and that's why i keep a power washer in the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) it was weird (laughs) so what do you guys think we should talk about today i don't know guys let's talk about uh paranoia or paranoia not paranoia paranormal uh stuff interesting stuff maybe kind of crime stuff we're just talking about strange events in general yeah all around kind of like military conflicts yeah and there was quite a few of them um i I mainly went for like cryptid stuff uh the first one that i guess we'll get into right now huh unless you got something you want to go over about your week do it all right no well okay one thing i will say about my week so i was one of the chosen few apparently that didn't have loss of power but the drawback of that was out of 15 people that i work with there were only two of us for most of the week and it blew and i don't mean the color well when our power finally did come back on the heating unit was froze like a block of ice and we had ran out of propane for our little heater and i sat back here trying to work and my hands froze so solid i couldn't like uh, i was like i just can't type anything like my hands were hurting they were all out of propane and propane (laughs) accessories and hank kills a prick because he would not come out to refill my tanks (laughs) but yeah i feel sorry for uh the folks that had to go without power because i've been there done that with the big ice storm we had back in 93 man that sucked there were some people back then that had were without power for like three weeks well man the ice storm of 93 happened three months after we moved up here from florida oh welcome to kentucky yeah and we didn't lose power though thankfully it's weird um we kept power the whole time couldn't get off the hill or anything but yeah 
Well, all right. So that was our tragedy of a week. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a lot of people went through that too, man. It's, it's been rough. Texas. Texas didn't. I mean, that's they're not used to that at all. We've we've seen yeah. it a few times here, but they've never seen that. So. And they just, they had like structured blackouts down there. Like They were just like, you are going to not have power for five days so we can keep Duncan's open. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So, yeah, that's, we could get into all the stuff going around that, but we don't talk about political stuff. No, no. I didn't know that Texas was its own power grid. Though. I didn't either until all this started happening. But interesting. That is interesting. Well, there's the there's three regions, isn't there? Or four, and then there's Texas. Yeah. Well, Texas always does everything. Kind of. There's there's still that's the reason they call them the Lone Star State. They like to do things themselves, and this one kind of backfired on them. I think. I really thought about moving to Texas after I accumulated a lot of debt when I decided to stop paying it because apparently they, you can't really collect anything after. Yeah. They, yeah, they got some pretty, uh, <laughs> consumer friendly laws, I guess. That's what um, do. Be like, Oh, you want your money back? I'm, I'm, a <laughs> I'm on a homestead. <laughs> They've got that going for them. Oh, speaking of that, I will bring up Texas again today in our, one of our stories. All right. All right, so we'll get started. The mist. So essentially what this is, this is a tale that during the Vietnam War, a person by the name of Robert Pollock. Pollock? Pollock, I think is his name. Who uh, knows? It may He may pronounce it Pollock. I, I don't know. It's Pollock. Uh, he was flying off the coast of South Vietnam when he noticed something moving in the rear of the plane. Yeah, it was a big old cargo plane. A big cargo plane. Bunch of cargo in the back. No, actually, it was empty. That's why I saw it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Do I know more about this one than you? Apparently. You want me to tell this one? <laughs> no, nah, I got it. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, but anyway, he went to investigate what he'd seen in the back, and he was met with a gray mist. Now, the strange thing about this mist was it started off real small, and it was moving in the counter. Well, it was moving in a clockwise fashion. Yeah. And it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So he knew this wasn't smoke because it had no flavor. No smell. No smell. Nothing. You know, you can taste smoke. Yeah. And, like it, and he knew it wasn't smoke, but he still like, well, there's something messed up on this plane. So he was uh, frantically trying to search the plane to see where it was messed up at. He caused quite a commotion while he's looking around for everything. So this led everybody else to come in, the rest of the crew, to be like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, you know? pilot flipped it on autopilot and even came back. Yeah, he was like, what's happening? And so they all stood at this mist, looking at this mist growing size. And basically what happened was, as humans will do, um, curiosity struck them, and uh, Pollock stuck his hand in it. And when he stuck his hand in, his hand disappeared. He could no longer see it. Could at not all. see it at all. Couldn't see it at all. So, um, this is where I would have been like, uh, "Where's the parachutes?" Yeah, let's just let's down this sucker and go on about our life. But no, um, I'm assuming that they drew short straws. I kind of wondered about that because there was like two of them that went into it. And yeah. I was like, I'd be like, uh-uh. Yeah, now, like, go ahead, bud. Like, they just walked into this thing. And I, I can't I can't imagine somebody would do it just on their own. 
So I'm sure short straws are great. Like you got to go into this, or yep. or somebody pulled rank. It's like Frank, it's your turn. <laughs> somebody had to pull rank or something. So when they walked into this mist, they the pe- the other crew members did not see them at all. And while they's in the mist, the only thing they seen was a gray mist. Yeah, they could hear them because they were saying, "Are you okay? Everything okay?" But they couldn't see them. Yeah. So, um. They they just stared in bafflement at this thing forever, and then it kept spinning in its clockwise motion until it got to a certain point. Then it started degressing into size until it dissipated, completely gone. So there's a lot of thing. They have a lot of theories of what it was. The one that I think makes the most sense is a government weapon for stealth technology. Could have been. I mean. There's a lot of stuff that the government does that we don't know about. And my opinion on Vietnam is it was a, uh, one of the big reasons we got into it aside from the obvious reason that they told us, you know, to fight communism was they wanted to test the new equipment they had. Yeah. And maybe that was one of their new little toys they had. I'm thinking that too, because there was a lot of like new stuff done in Vietnam and a lot of really bad stuff. Agent Orange was used in Vietnam. Everybody knows about that. But did you know that was a really widely used pesticide around here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen a barrel of Agent Orange before. Wow. Like an old barrel. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't know what it was. I didn't. When I was a kid, I thought Agent Orange came in an orange barrel, but it was a barrel with an orange stripe around the top of it. I didn't yeah. find out until I was old. Well, I'll say this. Um, my i grew up on a farm and that's what dad did most of his life was farm and he got cancer uh kind of an odd cancer uh multiple myeloma it was the same thing that uh the guy that played um captain brody and jaws it's the same thing that he died from but dad said to me when he was in the hospital the last month he said you know i really think all that crap that we used for herbicides and pesticides is probably what caused this in me more than likely it could have been i mean and when it comes to that i feel like this area is a testing ground for a lot of things like you know the uh fireproof cigarettes like we smoke every day mm-hmm. well, i smoke every day um when those came around one of my friends lived in richmond virginia where cigarettes come from pretty much yeah. <laughs> yeah and i was like man i don't like these new fireproof cigarettes they got different tastes and everything like that he's like fireproof cigarette he's like what are you talking about <laughs> i was like yeah they put these little things in it to make it stop burning and apparently it was just a thickness of paper that's supposed to make it stop burning it had them rings in it yeah but he's like we don't have those here i was like that's weird you know <laughs> so <laughs> yeah definitely uh yeah it could be the possibility but yeah, those guys they didn't really talk about it after words no they didn't talk about it at all it took years for them to finally bring it back up i'm i can't remember when they finally brought it back up but somebody's telling the story yeah robert Pollock, i believe i've got another one from vietnam well, so this one is a cryptid kind of situation so there were multiple reports from both uh north vietnamese and american troops and south vietnamese troops of seeing a i guess what you would refer to in america as a bigfoot top creature in the deeps of the jungle uh these creatures were not as big as what people describe 
Bigfoot in America has. Like Bigfoot in America, they say it's like seven feet tall or something like that. Yeah. These were about six foot tall, normal, normal like human size, yeah. and they were a lot darker looking. And um, but they uh, had gotten situations where uh, they were. This one group was coming back from a patrol, American troops, and um, the I guess one of the strategies of the uh, NVA was that they would instead of ambushing troops on their way out on patrols, they would ambush them on the way back in because they were tired, wore out, you know, that way they catch them off surprise a little easier. Well, sure enough, they got into an ambush and exchanging fire and they hear all of a sudden like the firing from the NVA stops or Viet Cong, whatever they were. I don't know what type of, so, you know, what band they were with, but, uh, and they hear one of the Vietnamese soldiers just scream and holler and the vietnamese take off well the troops since the firing had stopped they were pulling back when they went back to their camp their base their fire base and they asked permission to go back and look at the battle site which you know easy to find shell casings living everywhere you know and they found a vietnamese soldier that was absolutely torn to shreds no bullet holes though and they had seen the animal or whatever it was briefly and it looked it was like jumping through the jungle like huge leaps and bounds and there were reports like by all in several different areas always deep in the jungle from both sides of seeing these types of animals and they talked to villagers you know villagers saying yeah that was the what was there was a name for them um by tutu or something like that they had like four or five different names. Uh, I would not know. <laughs> it was, it was, I, I can't remember. I think Batutu was one of them, but, um, I mean, it was, there was actually one hill, uh, in Vietnam that, uh, they had a battle on that, uh, this group of Marines actually got into what they said was a battle with a group of these. Wow. They were throwing rocks at them and screaming at them like, kind of like what a baboon would sound like if you ever heard that in the movies or whatever documentaries, but. These were not baboons. They weren't orangutans. They were something different. And they, the American troops give, gave them the name the Rock Apes because I guess because they had experiences with them throwing rocks at them. So did they name them that because they were throwing rocks at them or because they could jam out? Probably both because it was a nice time for some good rock and roll. They were probably playing Credence. They, they probably were listening to Adrian Cronauer on the, you know, they were hearing all that. Good morning, Vietnam, all that stuff. But uh, now they called them rock apes because of the rocks. But there's a. I was born on the bayou. <laughs> you got to run through the jungle. That one. There you go. They wrote that song just because of that. But here's my and here's a theory that somebody that i watched a video about this song came up with that it may have been a actual primate that is very i guess reclusive and limited in numbers because there was a some type of deer they call it the vietnamese unicorn Mm -hmm. that they discovered like in the 90s yeah they're always finding stuff and so you know that that could be just another type of primate that 
Yeah, I mean, there's monkeys and stuff all over Vietnam and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's quite possible. It that may have been a species of monkey that just hadn't been discovered and is only indigenous to that area. and Probably some kind of ape. They had uh, some North Vietnamese uh, scholar or something actually tried to search down for them and actually found, like, footprints. Yeah. And they were, he took, like, plaster casts of them. They were, like, very primate like a primate type foot like a big foot similar and uh but never found any actual bodies or anything and there was one story saying they found a body of one wow but, i wonder if like vietnam during that time period would have had like um indigenous people that's never seen people like you know that one island if you yeah. fly a helicopter over it they throw spears and it might be something like that too you never know I think it's just a very, it may have been just a very limited species in that area. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, that's That would be interesting to see. I really want them to find some form of like a hyper-intelligent ape. Like, because if they find some form of a hyper-intelligent ape, then that would close in the search for a Bigfoot. You're just wanting Planet of the Apes to come true, I think. No, because that scared <laughs> the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> especially the remakes. I'm one of the few people, I think, that likes the remakes. Like, with James Franco and then... I liked them. With Woody Harrelson. I love the explanation of how it all started. I liked, I didn't like the one, I guess, the first one they remade. That's the one with James Franco. I like that No, one. I'm talking about the one uh, that had... Was it Mark Wahlberg in it? Oh, that's just a remake of the original. Yeah, I didn't like that one. I like the I like the new ones because yeah. I like the before that happened situation. Yeah, those are good. I didn't like the remake of the actual movie itself. Yeah. No. Sorry, Wahlberg. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I've got it though, but I didn't like it. <laughs> um, Can't be all winners. No, not at all. But yeah, I, I love the original. I love the new trilogy or whatever that came out of that. It was pretty good, and you get to see Woody Harrelson in, uh, I think, part three, so it was pretty good. You know, I don't think I've watched part three yet, or maybe I have. I don't know. It's been a while. What is it? Rise of War? Well, um, where are they at? They'd be in the (laughs) P's. He's got all these alphabetized and stuff over here. Why would they be in the P's? Planet, man. Oh, planet. Oh. So it's Rise of, Dawn of, and War of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rise of, Dawn of, and War of, yeah. So, yeah, I like all three of them. They're pretty good. They are good. <laughs> but um, the next one I want to cover is the U-28 Encounter. It's a short one. I entitled that one, <laughs> Got Me a Marlin. <laughs> like me from, a Marlin. Uh, what was it? Uh, one of the Austin Powers where he's got many me on things. He says, I got me a Marlin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell about that one. So this one happened during World War One. A U-28 German submarine sank a British steamer. And the steamer was, of course, out patrolling. You know, The Iberian. The, yeah. Um, that should be boiled down to, you know, what happens during war. That happened all the time. U-boats were sinking left and right well when they sank it a huge explosion occurred like boom right as it was going under yeah right as it was going under so they, they said well it was probably the boiler that exploded or whatever 
Well, with this huge explosion, um, they notice a mysterious sea creature get blown out of the water. And the thing about it is the captain, the captain actually put it in his logbook that he's seen this. And so what this creature was is something he never seen before. And, you know, being a sea man, (laughs) 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 he'd probably seen a lot of sea creatures. (laughs) Never know what a seaman's going to see. Never know. (laughs) But I'm being a seaman. He's probably seen a bunch of them. He said it had to be at least 60 feet long, which is pretty long that's a distance i get wore out walking from here to the end driveway that's 60 feet yeah so <laughs> um he said it was a vile beast uh it had front and hind legs it looked like a crocodile its head came out to a taper and everything well you know i looked at this one too and me being the fisherman i am i went back and researched a little bit about from their description what kind of fish this would be like could be like a uh what we call a garbill or alligator gar or it could have been like a sturgeon and i went back and looked at you know sizes of those and of those type of fish and none of them come even close not 60 feet no um i mean and it it had the head and it tapered out to the nose like a garbill or something would but um he could, I mean, they could have, it could have been the meth, but I don't think they're really doing a whole lot of meth during World War One. I. I think that was more during World War II. That was World II, War Two, yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, it was a pretty quick time. They they had 20 seconds of view of it, but 20 seconds is a pretty long time. Yeah, seeing something go, whoa, look at that thing right there. That is shoot splash. I mean, that's, yeah. that's long enough to get a decent look at it. So if you don't know how long 20 seconds is, I'll show you. That's 20 seconds. There you go. <laughs> so that's a pretty good glance at something. And I know that if I seen a creature and I was looking at it for 20 seconds, I'd be able to describe it. Like if I was yeah. writing it in my logbook, you're like, oh, shit, this thing had air. <laughs> like, so the, the only thing the zoologist that got the captain's logbook could think it was was a prehistoric creature. Yeah, like a Some something, something Don, Colopolopodon or something. Yeah. But. The only person that actually survived from the U-boat, survived the war, was the cook. The captain died in the war, and, you know, all the other crew members died. And the cook, apparently, he wouldn't talk about it Mm-mm. to nobody. And they were, you know, like, the question arises, what about the people that were on the steamer? There were, like, 60-some-odd survivors of that. But they were kind of probably not paying attention since their ship was going down and shit was <laughs> exploding around them. I'd imagine they didn't pay too much attention at all. So, I mean, and you think about it, back in the, in prehistoric times, there was a gator that was this big. And that even goes to, like, the megalodon shark yeah. or whatever. Like, people said they've seen that recently. That was a huge so, shark. Maybe it was just a survivor. It might have been. You never know, man, what's out there in, like, deep waters and stuff. Mm, it'd probably be scary. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, it would be. So there's you another possible cryptid. I don't know if would you call a fish a cryptid? I mean a big huge monster, yeah. Yeah, it's a 
Fisted. Un, unspecified creature like a giant octopus was a giant, giant squids were cryptids until 2007 when they actually found them. Yeah. So they're, those, those exist. Makes you wonder about that movie. Uh, you remember that movie 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Yes. Yeah. I used to love that. Movie. That was a good movie back in its time. Yeah, I used to love that. I, I loved the book when I was a little kid. I checked it out from the Clay County Library and never took it back. Now you know. <laughs> and then when they let me come back and they gave the amnesty or whatever, like erased all debt, I took a Huckleberry Finn and never took it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some librarian over there is just scratching their head. Like, where are all these books going? <laughs> It was, it was nice. I still got the adventures of Huck Finn somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell about my snake? Yeah. I mean, I mean this snake. Absolutely. All right. So, and it's kind of funny that I ran across this one because I watched a movie that was around this about something in this time period in this area. Uh, this happened in 1959 in the Congo. There was uh, the Congo was in civil war, and this is when the United Nations was. It was like their first intervention, uh, and it was in the Congo. And a guy by the name of Colonel Remy von Leard, he was a Belgian World War II ace. And he uh, actually was in a German prison camp, escaped, and became a World War II ace. Nice. And so he was flying a mission in a helicopter for the UN uh, by himself. It was probably one of them little bubble helicopters, like they you know you see like on the mash yeah um i always wanted to ride in one of those. yeah that one i don't know that seemed kind of scary i'd rather be in a big old huey or something <laughs> but um so he flies over and looks down and sees what appears to be a just gigantic snake well he flies back down in the helicopter and actually snapped a picture at the end of it was reed standing with his pants down <laughs> me standing there going man <laughs> can't find nowhere private to piss in. <laughs> but if you want to watch a movie about this conflict it's a pretty good movie it's called the siege of jadotsville or jadotville not jadots jadotville i've never heard of that it's um it's about this um company of irish troops that hold down this little hole in the wall outpost and they're attacked you know and they uh it's it's a good movie just watch it but anyway, that's that's in the Congo during this time frame. But he said as he got closer, lower down, getting closer to take the picture, he said it raised up and it said its head looked like it was about the size of a donkey's head. And it when it raised up, it had to have been raised up at least about 10 feet in the air. Wow. So this was a, from looking at the picture, you can find the picture, it's out there. And it's, it's real blurry, but this was probably a 50-plus-foot snake. Jeez, and I wonder what... Well, I was going to say, that is that is probably one of the biggest one ever, if it was real. Yeah. They found one in 2016 in Brazil uh, at a mine. There was a 33-foot anaconda. That's what I was going to say. Like, anacondas, they get, like, 20 feet on average, mm-hmm. and then big ones can get up to 30, 30-something. 30 yeah. But so I mean in the Congo in the Congo I mean a snake that's never been messed with I mean it's possible yeah yeah 
I mean, those those things would probably, if it was that big, it would eat like a Impala in one bite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like, what are you going to have for dinner? I'm going to eat a giraffe. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing about that is, like, places like the Congo and the Amazon, there's sections where people's never been. Yeah. And, you know, life there's still fairly healthy. So, back when the world had better oxygen and stuff and there was less people consuming everything, um, insects got, like, a fly be as big as your hand, you know? Yeah. That's it. I mean, that could have been the greatest, the largest snake never discovered, maybe. I don't know it how it but it was a is a big one. So I entitled that little story, I'm Tired of These Motherfucking Snakes on This Motherfucking Helicopter. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, thank you. <laughs> nice. But damn, could you imagine that, though, for real? Listen, are you we had that discussion yeah. on one episode where I was talking about seeing that big snake. Yeah. I mean, it was every bit of, you know, 16, 17 17 feet long i couldn't imagine seeing one that the one they really found in brazil 33 feet oh my gosh man and the thing is like that might not even be the biggest one because i've seen videos and stuff on the internet which everybody says they're fake and stuff of really huge snakes like big ones and they look real but then they come back and like no it's fake uh, suppression maybe but you never know who knows i mean this this guy was a world war ii ace i mean he had no why do i mean yeah, he well, wouldn't have any reason to lie about it i mean yeah that's true so i don't know and uh here's another ace um this is a sh- super short one because it's pretty cut and dry uh have you ever heard of the red baron yes so, tell me about that so the Red Baron, if you don't know who he was, he was a... Uh, Makes Manfred. great pizzas, by the way. Yeah, he was a Manfred Fierov von Tickruffen. Tickruffen. Hang on. How do you spell How do you pronounce it? Hang on. Go go ahead and tell the story. I'll pronounce the name here in a minute. <laughs> All right. But um, he was better known as the Red Baron. Um, in the spring of 1917, the Red Baron and another German ace, which I think that we need to give more credence to who the Red Baron actually was. So I'll let you tell who the Red Baron is. His name was Manfred von Richtenhof. Yeah. So the Red Baron, he was a young man. He he passed away, which he was shot down and killed when he was like 20-something. Pretty young. 26, something like that. But he he was so infamous in his victories in the sky that people talk about him to this day. They got pizza named after him. Yeah. <laughs> he was a celebrity. He was, yeah. So anyway, him and this other German ace were flying a mission over Belgium when they happened to see what they thought was a large silver flying disc with orange flashing lights. Hmm. So Red Baron being the badass that he was, uh, he basically engaged it and shot it down. Now, when they shot it down and they seen it crash, they said that they seen two humanoid creatures hop out of it and take off in the woods. So, that's basically why I got out of that. So, that's wild to me that somebody that was like a prestigious person. And this was... That was World War One. That was World War One. That was before... That was when they were... It was propeller planes. Yeah. And this was before like, you know... Like uh, the Reno crash and everything yeah. like that. So, it's hard to say. Roswell. Roswell, Roswell. yeah. Roswell. 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 What the... 
I've got an alien right here from Roswell, and I couldn't even say it. <laughs> and of course, there's one sitting over here behind me. But that, yeah, I, I, I glanced at that one, but I didn't look at it. I just it. want to include it because he was so... Like, he was a badass. He was, and like he's he's such a historical figure, too, and this is legit. Like He legitimately told this story. Like he's like, yeah, I seen it. I shot it down. What up? <laughs> Took it out of the sky, son. <laughs> he's like, the only regret is I didn't kill the people in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump ahead of time to another airplane story. This is the ghost plane of Pearl Harbor. So in on December eighth, nineteen forty-two, one year and one day to the day after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, um, the radar on uh, Hawaii picked up a single plane heading uh, from the direction of Japan towards uh, Hawaii. Uh, they scrambled a squadron of fighter planes to go check it out. Well, the fighter planes find it, and it's a P-40 Warhawk plane, a plane which was used back when, you know, a year prior, but was no longer in use at all. They had went on to a new model for their fighter planes. Well, as they go by, they look in the cockpit. You know, they being in a plane like that back then, you know, you, you could, like a jet, you wouldn't go by it real quick. They could pull up right beside of it in the air. The pilot was in there covered in blood, kind of slumped over the controls. And several of the pilots said when they went by, he gave them a quick wave. Well, not too long thereafter, it was almost to the land, and it crash-landed. Well, they go investigate the crash-landing site, never find a body. Did they find the plane, though? They found the plane. They found a diary. And apparently this guy's, uh, where he came from, was a place called Mindano Island over towards Japan. And I don't know the exact specifications but one of the things i read was there would be no way he would have enough fuel to get from there to hawaii he would have to be loaded down with fuel probably would have had to make a stop on some fueling station but it just they never found the guy wanting a name in the diary just they found out that it was that's where he originated from and never found the guy's body was the plane like shot up or anything? Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot to tell you that it did have bullet holes all in it. Huh. I missed that part, but yeah. Wow. And never found the guy. The ghost. It was a ghost plane. But not really a ghost plane. A ghost pilot. A ghost pilot. That's that's scaring. That scared me. <laughs> I'm not having trouble sleeping. Tonight. Sorry about that. <laughs> wow. Um. I don't know how to. Do you know what they called? Um, cope with that. <laughs> so here's something you young fellas and gals might find interesting. Everybody's a fan of the Foo Fighters, right? Yeah. You know where that term came from? Yes, I did. But tell them. It was a term that American pilots used for uh, unidentified flying objects in World yeah. War Two. Yeah. Were Foo Fighters. I didn't know this until I came across this looking for paranormal stuff. I've known that one for a while. I didn't know that. Um, I wonder, like, because Red Baron shooting that thing down, um, 
going back to him, I'm I'm leaning more toward I'm I've always thought it, but I'm starting to know it. If I could say that that UFOs like that, like the disc and everything, is probably just U.S. technology. Or you know, back then it could have been German or it technology. Could have been German technology transferred to U.S. during Project Paperclip. Yeah, yeah true. So, more than likely, Red Baron shot down one of his own people. Probably. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Maybe that's why he got shot down. They're like, he shot down our experimental plane. We're going to take him out. It could have been. Who knows? Now we've got a conspiracy theory on our hands now. <laughs> um, that's actually a good one. If anybody has any idea about that, reach out to us through comment. <laughs> That could be a book now. That could be a book. Anyway, the next one I got is about uh, humanoid figures. Okay. Um, basically, what they were during the Pacific Theater of World War II, multiple troops reported witnessing what they called flying humanoids. Anyway, the humanoids were described as having a pair of large, leathery wing like wings like a bat, essentially. So they came out of a cave. <laughs> more than likely <laughs> vampires vampires is what they were um they were spotted close to military installations and anything like that they were seen a lot like there was num a number of occurrences where they seen them they were reported as silent and shy which meant that when you seen them they cut they tried to hide like kind of like doing reconnaissance or something hmm you wouldn't you think possibly but uh, one person in particular was uh, Sinclair Taylor. He was a U.S. Air Force pi private who was uh, on guard duty at Camp Okubu. Okubu? Never heard of that one. O-K-U-B-O. Okubu? Probably. Okubu. Japan in 1952. And uh, the sound of the creature's wings first drew his attention. Uh, to begin, he was looking for a giant bird. However, as it flew closer, it became clear that it wasn't a bird. He's like, oh, what is this? got terrified or whatever according to his testimony it had the body of a man and was about seven feet tall and had about a seven foot wingspan i disagree with that wow that that defies the law of aerodynamics that's what i thought too because uh, a seven foot tall creature shouldn't it have like a wingspan of at least 12 feet yep yeah yep that's what i was thinking too but um who knows what's out there? Maybe it just flapped them really fast. So there's a, <laughs> so there's a technology. I didn't say I, there's a technology behind aerodynamics. There has you know it. I, it's there's probably some the wingspan of whatever has to be at least so many feet. Probably doubled. I'd probably yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's a ornithologist out there that could probably comment on this in the comments. Yeah about that uh, about what typically birds or airplanes or flying objects have to have wingspan wise yeah. compared to the length of their body no I, I thought about that too i was like seven foot wingspan seven foot tall it didn't make sense it'd be you wouldn't have enough lift yeah but um not if it's paranormal of some sort because that's a valid point because he shot it he shot it several times apparently and he thought he took it down, and when he went to see where it went down at, there was no blood, and there was nothing left behind. It just disappeared. Vampiric. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say that he probably just seen some kind of crazy creature. Like, um, on one of the episodes of Wearing the Folk, I showed a, a um, what are they called? 
a flying fox. Have you ever seen those? No. They're about this tall, and they have wings like a bat. They're a bat, but they're about this tall. They hang upside down. They're scary as hell. Oh, I have seen pictures of those. Yeah. I know what you're talking about now. They think that it could have been something like that. Um, some people think that was just a crow species they have there, which can get pretty big. But um, a lot of people just think it was some kind of secret military project, which, you know, during World War II, the Russians, they were working on all kinds of stuff, and so was the Germans. This was, what, 52 you said it happened? Yeah. Yeah, so that was Korea. Oh, so yeah. we were definitely into starting to experiment that was when helicopters started being in use so yeah it could have it could, could have been yeah some it, type of military flying apparatus experiment it really could have been yeah for sure and so the article i took this from was apparently wrong because it says during the pacific theater of world war ii and i just realized it was yeah 52 that was that was the korean war I bet it was 42, and I just typed 52. Maybe. I bet that's what happened. <laughs> Double check us on that. Oops. It happened, okay? <laughs> it happened. At least that dude said it did. Yeah, I believe him. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I've got a mystery one. Mystery? So, one of the unsolved mysteries of World War Two, which, you know, I, I'm that's all, that's my mind thing i'm all about is who turned in Anne frank and her family because apparently the reason you know everybody's heard the story of Anne frank the buyer the book diary of Anne frank well apparently there was a phone call to one of the german uh, to the german gestapo by someone that told the gestapo where they were hiding and Knocked down the doors, took them, sent them to concentration camp, and all but her father died in the concentration camps. But they never found out who definitely turned her in. A was mystery. That's like a true crime thing. Was it the dad? No, I doubt it because he wouldn't want to go to a concentration camp. <laughs> he just got lucky and survived it. And I can't remember which concentration camp. I think they sent him to Dachau. I don't know. But anyway, they all died but him. Yeah. They, there's rumors that it may have been the warehouse supervisor. There's rumors that it may have been a cleaning lady in the building. There was a rumor that it could have been the father, one of the father's friends even. So, but it was never, the mystery was never solved. And the guy that took the phone call apparently died or got killed in the war. So he never got to, I guess, maybe testify on who did it. Is there any speculation on who it was? Like be so those, like any solid speculation? Not solid. There's like four four or five people that they speculated it could have been, but yeah. there's no proof whatsoever. It's just people speculating. Um I thought it was Peter Griffin eating a bag of trip. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> what did, ain't that what happened? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's see. The Anne Frank Diary, man, something I found out a couple years ago was that it was heavily edited by her dad. Really? Yeah, like, um, she was a teenage girl, so, like, there was parts in there that were pretty risque. She was, what, 13, 13 14, 14, something like that? Uh, so, like, there were parts in there where, like, there was, uh, she talked about self-love. Well, if I was her dad, I wouldn't want that in the diary either. I'd be like, mm, and yeah. leave that out. 
I'm not dead. I would probably just be like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she went through the worst thing ever. She was human. Uh, that's true. Yeah. So this is a more recent one, like super recent. There was an outpost in Afghanistan. They called it Rock Outpost. It was in Helmand Province. And a uh, squad of U.S. soldiers, uh, I think there was about seven or eight of them, went to this little small outpost. It's an observation post. They called it an OP. And they were relieving a squad of British troops. Well, general procedure was that when you were relieving uh, another squad or group from a post, you would do uh, kind of a debriefing and like, I guess it, you'd show them around, yeah. you know, show them, you know, significant things they need to know about, blah, blah, blah. With these British troops, they were just like, we're going. See and, you later. Yeah. <laughs> and there was just one British troop that said to uh, one of the squad leaders, uh, if you dig anything up, put it back. Mm. And they were like, okay. That's strange. That's a ominous thing to mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Well. There's a whole lot more to this story, but what it boils down to is there was a trench that had they had started to dig, you know, basically a warfare trench, and it was definitely not deep enough or wide enough. It was like they started and didn't finish it. Well, like the very second day they were there, they went to start improving the trench. Well, they started digging up. Um, they first thing they found was like this. Uh, like an engineering stake and it had like Russian writing on it. And then another guy all of a sudden found some little pieces of pottery and then found a femur. Well, he put it back there and as they continued digging, they started finding all kinds of bones. Oh, wow. And you keep in mind, if you know your history back in the seventies um, and eighties, well, it's more than the eighties, uh, Russia was in Afghanistan mm -hmm. and this may have been the dead bodies and bones of Russian troops because here are some of the things that happened. So they're always, you know, at night there's always somebody on watch duty. Yeah. They would hear whispers and they would hear stuff that sounded like Russian being whispered from somewhere. They saw, uh, one guy was watching out of his, uh, scope and saw a body move got it through the bushes got everybody up the platoon sergeant got on his heat signature goggles nothing there and if you've ever looked through heat signature goggles if it's a human dog whatever anything that's warm-blooded it just lights up like yeah. a christmas tree never they'd they that happened a few times but all kinds of crazy weird stuff hearing voices and stuff but is this the one where they um seen people standing on the hill yeah mm -hmm. that one tripped me out because wasn't there one point when they seen like two dudes standing on a hill yeah and they had their backs turned toward them or whatever and they they did the thermal thing on them too and they wasn't there yeah saw all kinds of apparitions and and stuff that weren't weren't giving off heat signatures at all <laughs> that's uh and that's why those british troops were ready to get the heck out of dodge like, have a good day. <laughs> See you later. Have fun with this place, Mike. That was kind of Australian. I apologize to our British viewers. That was horrible. But, yeah. 
I read a little bit of that one. And I was like, I don't know how I could tell this one properly. I didn't watch that one all the way through. I watched a dude that was um, a ex SEAL team guy. Yeah. Tell this whole story, and he was very detailed about it. Yeah. I guess being uh, you know in the military, but I got the gist of it. And the main point was it was <laughs> that was just spooky. For the British guy says, if you dig something up, put it back. Put it back. So. I think that's something that everybody should take heed of. Like before some, you dig, call eight one one. Yeah, like it's uh, the law. Yeah, like if you're ever going to somewhere and somebody's like, Yeah, if you dig over there and you find something, just toss it back in there. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Throw some dirt back over. Yeah. Just just throw it back in there. Be like okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one is one that I tried to condense because it was real it was real lengthy. Lengthy. And, girthy too yeah like it, it was like four it was like seven it was like a seven page story so i put it in like five paragraphs right. <laughs> so this this uh might not be the best telling of this and it took me a long time to find a real good solid ghost one besides the one you just talked about um this one happened during the vietnam war apparently it was a man who only was identified by jim jim um so Jim was telling a story about how he was in the depths of the jungle in Vietnam, fighting constant fire by fights all the time and everything like that. And one day, whenever, you know, it was a peaceful day for some reason, the, but however, like two days before that, two of his company had disappeared. It was a man by the name of Richard and another guy that he didn't name for some reason. Bubba? Yeah, probably. Richard was I gotta a, find Bubba. But Richard was apparently his friend, you know. But he's like, uh, Richard and this other guy. That's how he always referred to him, this other guy, this other guy. All the way through it. And I was like, all right, whatever. But they had disappeared. So, the, you know, they obviously thought, well, they're dead. You yeah. know, they got killed in a fight and we couldn't find them. But um, anyway, he was standing guard and somebody came trotting out of the woods. Out of the jungle, rather. And it was Richard. Richard had, and they said, what the heck happened? He's like, oh, we got lost in the fight, you know, I finally made my way back. And everybody was cool with that. So, a short time after they all caught up and everything, later that night, there was a firefight erupt. And him and Richard went out, and they were, you know, fighting in the jungle, whatever, ch chasing down Viet Cong or whatever they were. One of the days, call him Charlie. Charlie, yeah. Chasing Charlie down. So, um, Jim was fighting. <laughs> we were always looking for this fella named Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. That movie is good. That is. But um, Jim and Richard were fighting their way through the jungle or whatever. And then a grenade landed at Jim's feet. So... When this grenade landed, Richard chucked him out of the way and jumped on top of it. And when it blew up, you know, usually it's not like in movies, body parts go everywhere. You know, it just blow up and they'll still be sitting there. Yeah. Well, he said when it blew up, there was smoke everywhere, but Richard was nowhere to be found. Hmm. So he kept fighting um, because, I mean, there was no time to. Yeah, there was no time to be like, "What just happened?" You know, yeah, he can't be sad in those moments. Yeah, you just gotta keep keep squeezing squeezing the trigger. But um, they eventually made it back to a camp of the Viet Cong, and when they cleared them all out, they found a little makeshift like cage or something, 
And inside that cage was the other guy that went missing with Richard. And Richard was in the cage with him, dead. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's and Richard, scary. Richard had been dead for like a couple of days. Like he was shot to death. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That, dude, that one gave me cold chills. I was like, I was like, that's nuts. Mm. Who knows if it's true? Um, I found it on like page eighty of Google. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, where you find some good stuff, folks. But I was like, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> well, here's one that oh my gosh, when I stumbled across this, this blew my mind. So there is a, I don't know if it's an Air Force base or an Army base, but uh, this is after World War II when the United States was occupying Japan. This was on the island of Okinawa, yeah. where Mr. Miyagi came from, uh, if you're a fan of the Karate Kid. And if you've watched uh, season, the newest season of Cobra Kai, Daniel Song goes back to Okinawa. Well, thanks for that spoiler <laughs> alert. I've not watched him yet. Anyway, so this is... Uh, the base it's called Kadana, K-A-D-E-N-A. Uh, this is a it's a in Japan, Okinawa. So to begin with, kind of to set the scene. During and I've seen I've seen the film footage of this. It is it is so tragic. So when the uh, United States was taking the island of Okinawa during World War Two, the as all I guess. There was so much propaganda back then by all sides, but the main thing that the Japanese told their citizens is that the Americans were so brutal and they would, you know, if they were captured or anything like that, it would be worse than dying. And there is footage of the citizens of Okinawa that because they were so scared of the Americans, they were taking themselves to these cliffs and throwing themselves off and committing suicide. I've actually heard about this. There's there's footage yeah, out there of it. That's like, insane. I've I read about this years ago. I mean, it's when the first time you see it, you're just like, "Oh God, they just jumped." I mean, they. Wow. I mean, we're talking hundreds of citizens did yeah. this, and so apparently, later on, you can go. We've had a, people taking tours of the island. Now it's you know we're allies and friends. And go by these cliffs and they'll have in the, you know, it's by the ocean. So there's waves and stuff and they'll hear faint screams by those cliffs and they'll feel pockets of cold and stuff like that. Well, that's not the only supernatural paranormal thing on that island. So at this base, Kadana base, there is one house. It's a living quarter. For, for troops, I think it's, uh, it actually had a number, 2283, I think, housing 2283. Single family dwelling home. Um, there was a family that was barracks there, and this was like in 1973 or 4, the father killed the entire family. A couple years later, they put another family in there. That father stabbed everyone in the family. I, didn't, I don't think he killed them all, but he stabbed them all. Went just berserk. Yeah. As people have went by this this one house, they'll see shadow figures. What looks like a man riding a horse, similar to a samurai, an apparition, go through the hall of the house. Wow, a samurai. 
Yes. Nice. The water and lights in this house will turn on and off unexpectedly. Um, there's a there was a daycare center right next to the house, and they had to move the playground because the kids were throwing their toys over the fence to the little boy and girl that were asking for toys. That nobody lived there at that time. Yes. Wow. That's that's in the cold chill down my Yes. Arm. I it's, it gave me cold chills just telling it again. I already knew about it. There was a gate at the base. It was like gate number three. There are surveillance footage showing shadow figures go by the gate. There was one guy standing guard there that saw a shadow figure and it startled him so bad he accidentally discharged his weapon and shot himself in like the leg. <laughs> That's something I would do. <laughs> it got so bad of guards not wanting to stand at that post yeah. that they closed that gate permanently. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's footage. I, I watched it. I mean, just shadow figures go right by the cameras. That place, Okinawa and that base has got to be one of the most haunted places ever. Things, Unreal. Things like that scare me to death. And here's yeah. another, I forgot about this one. There, people have been in that house when they live there and walk by a mirror in the bathroom and see a woman washing her hair and turn back and it's gone. That that place is, ooh. The thing about it is I want to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I would love to see that, but the second I seen it, I would die. I would have a heart attack. You know, that, that's like me. It's like, <laughs> you go in a haunted place and I hear something go, get out. I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah. like uh, I'm like, done. Like, I would love to be there, but the second it happens, I don't know if I'd even survive. Like, I, like. That, that, ooh, and nobody lives, nobody is living in that, that barracks any, anymore. I can't believe they've not tore it down yet. I can't either. That's, that's legitimately terrifying. That one's, that one's wild. The one about the kid, the kids throwing the toys over the fence to the other kids, that one, man. Yeah, they were just chucking their toys over, and when they asked the kids why they did that, well, that little boy needed a toy. There's nobody living there. At least they're raising their kids, right? You know, share. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not enough of that goes on anymore. Okay, I'm done with the ghost ones for this for this episode. <laughs> that was that one was uh, I'm yeah. glad I saved that one for towards the end. Yeah, that one was that one's scary. The next one that I have is something that we've actually talked about on several occasions on over several different ones. I found the actual story of it. It's the Giants. Um, I'm going to actually read this one um, verbatim from what I got typed down here. So there's going to be some spelling errors. <laughs> <laughs> you, all, you all have watched him enough. You know. <laughs> so in 2002, the Special Forces Unit was supposedly operating in a remote area on a mission in Afghanistan. To find a patrol with, with uh, which they had lost radio contact with and offer assistance if they were in danger. Uh, the team was making its way along a goat path. <laughs> but um, they were making their way down this uh, goat path when they originally, when they allegedly noticed the ground was littered with bones and pieces of what uh, anomalously appeared to be broken communication equipment. 
you know, so they've seen all this stuff. As well as very large, heavy rocks that look like they had been arranged in patterns by hand. So they kind of tucked everything by hand. And it was claimed that the unit examined the stone patterns and the pieces were smashed. And the pieces of smashed equipment, they were suddenly confronted by a creature. When they were reviewing everything, they seen all this equipment smashed and everything. And the creature had long red hair, a shaggy beard, and stood a truly enormous height of 12 to 15 feet in height. Whoo, that's that's high, taller than a basketball rim, folks. Yeah, yeah. And um, so with this beast apparently carried a long pike-like weapon, so like, I guess a spear. Yeah, big old spear. Yeah. Uh, which could be used to stab somebody. So um, he promptly stabbed one of the men and was waving him around like, ah, you know. <laughs> and um, so all everybody opened fire on it, which yeah. is what one would do. <laughs> <laughs> you just skewered Frank. I don't know why I keep any Anytime it's a random guy, I always call him Frank for some reason. You got to have that one name that you fall back on. Yep. Mine's Deuce. Deuce. <laughs> The Adventures of Frank and Deuce, (laughs) part Deuce. (laughs) So they opened fire on it, killed, and um, they they apparently managed to kill it only after you know a few hundred rounds. Oh, just a few hundred rounds. (laughs) It took a few hundred rounds. Um, the entire the entire violent episode only lasted about thirty seconds, though. You know they were right. Yeah, they were unloading. They were in rock and roll mode on their guns. I'd say. So this thing apparently was so big that they had to call a helicopter in to haul it off. Whew. One of the pilots in the her- in the helicopter, which was a C-130, are you familiar with those? Yeah. I actually had a friend that was a crew chief on one of those. So the C-130 is what they used to take it out. And they called it the Kandahar Giant. Is Kandahar. A- Kandahar, yep. And it was uh, apparently taken to a military base in Ohio. Which sounds about right. Yeah. They said when it was at the, when they picked it up, the helicopter pilot said it was 12 feet long and weighed 1,100 pounds, which is a half, a little bit over half a ton. Um, what, what happened after that? Nobody knows. So basically they just sum me up to that. This is an ancient race of humans, probably Nephilims. Wow. And it happened, you know. In and you know, all these things we've talked about giants before. There's always they have that red hair. You, we talk about that a lot, and every thing we come across, a lot of them have that red hair. And they, yeah, and most of the time they have double rolls of teeth too, which it seems to be a pretty common thing. Um, you know, and in the Tartarian Empire, they talk about the red-headed giants. Yep, yep. That was the first time we that was brought up on any of our discussions. Yeah. And it's, it's came up a lot, but I think it comes up a lot because I'm always like, what about the red-headed giants? <laughs> He's looking for it. <laughs> Just give me a reason to find it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. That Loch Ness, you know, Loch Ness does this and that. Blah, blah, blah. What about those red-headed giants? <laughs> you don't know anything about them? <laughs> red-headed giants. Just out of the blue. I'd love to find, like, just some kind of solid proof of it. That's one thing that doesn't have any kind of video related to it. I had a couple giants in my ancestry. Really? Not technically giants, but I had uh, some relatives. The man and wife were seven foot one and seven foot two. Wow. There's there's actually a picture of them that I've got somewhere. I've got an uncle that's seven foot. Really? Ooh. 
Worked in coal mines. Wow, that would be tough. No, no, that's why he's a tough son. He's a tough guy, man. He, I like how you pre-edited yourself. Right there. <laughs> he's a rough guy. He's not rough. He's a good fellow, but he got hurt in the mines. He, I mean, couldn't help it. Well, that's that happens a lot. That's yeah. a tough. That's a tough business to be in. Yeah. But I mean, my brother, he's a six, 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 seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm probably one of the tallest in my family right now. I'm six four or six five. I'm six two. I'm anywhere between six four and six nine, depending on which gas station. Right. Like yep. old Rodney Carradine. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh every time I hear that. Let's just slap that up there. We'll guess. That guy was seven foot tall, but I was taller than him. That don't make no sense. <laughs> I love that they use those things as like the way that they measure robbers and stuff. I'm like he is twelve feet tall. <laughs> well, the six foot marks at my belly button, Frank. <laughs> oh Lord. So I've kind of got, well, I've got two more. Uh, I have no more left. Well, well, we'll let's, let's talk, this one you, I know you know about, and then we'll, I'll save this other one for last. Uh, this was World War II, and as, if you watch our episode, Nazis, the Occult, and other stuff, uh, that's an earlier episode we did, the Nazis were all about experimenting on super weapons, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is, they called the Glock, which translates to the bell. And I know you remember us talking about the bell. Absolutely. So there was, uh, basically they were working on this thing that was, it was in the shape of a bell. It was about, uh, one of the scientists uh, described it that they captured after the war. It was, what, six, or six seven foot tall, probably about five foot well you know it was yeah. it was a big size a bell-shaped bell. thing yeah, it was a bell. and the experiments they did on it they had this uh substance called serum 525 that they put in it and it was told that when they activated this weapon that for a 200 meter radius death zone the plants would wither uh animal flesh would crystallize and human blood would coagulate in this radius. How they knew that human blood coagulates probably makes me think they were using their prisoners like the Jews and gypsies for tests on this, which is sick. But uh, when they tested it, uh, I guess, I don't know if this was the first time, because there's not a lot of info. They didn't find any schematics or anything like this after the war, any information on it. This is just all rumored stuff that they got from uh people they captured after the war that five of the seven scientists that were working on it were killed when they tested it wow um this thing they said it had anti-gravity properties and there was rumors that when you you could see visions of the future and past if you looked at it through a concave mirror and the big thing that we talked about before when we were talking about the bell in another episode was that it was rumored that it was maybe a time machine and the time machine goes back we were talking about there was a 
was it Pennsylvania we were talking about? 19... Uh, the time machine was the bell. And yeah, it, it yeah actually, this is the same thing. Yeah, this is... It fell in uh, Pennsylvania. I forget the name of the town. Yeah. It started with K. Right, and they never did actually discover it and all this stuff. Either that or the government picked it up and it's hid somewhere. Yeah. Probably in Ohio with the redhead giant. More but, than likely. I guarantee that's where it's at. Because like when they were packing off the bell, like citizens seen them with a tarp over it like yeah. like <laughs> the way that uh i pictured it the way that they explained it was they had like a f- three by three tarp just <laughs> tucked over the top of it and frank, you could just see the whole thing frank run down to walmart get us one of them blue tarps and some bungee cords okay <laughs> that, that's what it was <laughs> oh shoot all right but that's uh we've talked about that one a little bit before but that's an interesting one looking into it but uh my last one this is the last one this one is one of the ones i found the most interesting um this is called timur's curse timur was a um i guess i don't know if he was mongolian or not but he was in russia uh he was a leader king or whatever and he was he was like his uh, predecessor Kublai Khan and Genghis Khan, he was trying to forge an empire. Um, and he died in 1405, and they buried him in an area which called Uzbekistan, which at the time was in Russia, and they buried him 1405. Okay, so World War Two, June 19, 1941, Mikhail Gerasimov. A, was this part of Mikhail's army? No. Mikhail's navy. Mikhail. You remember so, that movie? Yeah. <laughs> that movie. But this was a this was an anthropologist that uh, they went and uh, exhumed his body from where he was buried in a tomb, and there was an ex- inscription on the tomb that said, "When I rise from the dead, the world shall tremble." And as they got further into the tomb, actually into maybe what I guess you'd say the coffin. There was another inscription that read, Whomever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader more terrible than I. Three days later, Hitler and the Nazis began Operation Barbarossa. I've actually heard of this. The invasion of the Germans into Soviet Union. Yeah. One of the largest invasion forces ever assembled. 20 million Russians died from Germany attacking them. And it was rumored that Stalin ordered them to return to Moore's remains uh, with full uh, rights of Islam. He was apparently Islamic. And they put his remains back. And within days, November 1941, the Russians won the victory at Stalingrad, which was the turning point of Germany invading Russia. Yeah. It totally went the other way after that battle. Coincidence. That's wild, man. That is wild. And, you know, I've got one that I couldn't find anything about, and I really wanted to find it. I, I remember watching a series one time, and if anybody's watching this and remembers this, uh, send us the story, and we'll tell it the next time, and we'll give you credit for finding it, because I couldn't find it again. But this happened during... Um, World War Two. There was a village that was attacked by a zombie, but the zombie 
wasn't like your typical zombie. It was a dead man. He looked like he'd been put together like Frankenstein. And he had all these electrical wires running all over him. And he was getting shocked. Like, it was like, bang, bang. And he's just yeah. going around. And he was releasing this. And every time that he'd get shot or anything, this green gas would come out. And it would kill people. I've never heard this. I ha- I've, I, wa- I don't know if it was something I watched. I might have dreamt it. <laughs> Who possible. knows? But if you've ever seen anything like that, please reach out to us. If you find it. Let us know, yeah, please. Tell me where to watch it again, because that was so interesting. You've got my interest peaked now, because I've never heard of anything like that. I might have made it up. I might have. I might have dreamt it. Honestly, <laughs> it's, it's completely possible. Who knows? But um, I remember it like is yesterday, but I can't. I can't find it anywhere. Oh well. Well, that's the way she goes. That's the way it goes. <laughs> that's all I've got. Yeah, and uh, you know. This has been a fun one. I love I love telling stories like this. Yeah. Like they're so fun to find. Okinawa's got me creeped out. Oh yeah, Okinawa for sure. Um and you know, if you guys have anything that you want to want us to cover, tell us. If you want to come on here and cover it with us, let us know. Here pretty soon we're changing formats on the shows. Um we're combining wearing the folk with bipolar Teddy bear. This is the first time that we've brought it up. So we're going to be doing everything on this show. Um, so if you want to be a guest, just reach out to us. We'll start booking again probably in April. Yep. Uh, we have a few more guests for wearing the folk that we're going to go through. Uh, we're trying to condense everything so we can bring better material, um, more research and things of that nature. More heads together. Yeah, because we all have day jobs. Yeah. Um, we all have hobbies. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I do this all the time and music and I'm currently writing a book, um, things of that nature. Um, probably not going to be a good book, but I'm writing it. <laughs> well, give it a, giving it a go. Giving it a go. I'll tell you when you can buy that. I'll probably give it out for free. <laughs> but, um, but you know, if you want to be a guest on and talk about anything, paranormal, conspiracy, cryptids, um, anything. Or just really, an interesting topic that you think of that would be fun to go over and listen to us, listen to us gab about. Yeah, uh, you can come on with us. If you just want us to talk about it, say, hey, cover this, we'll cover it. If you want to come on, say, hey, I'd like to come on and cover this, and we'll come on and cover it. That's <laughs> what we'll do. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, and you can follow us on Bipolar. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Bipolar underscore TB. You can uh, email us at Bipolar underscore Teddy Bear at Outlook.com. Uh, you can go leave messages on uh, Instagram at Bipolar underscore Teddy Bear. But I don't check it much anymore. And you, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you check us out on all listening platforms. We're everywhere. This typically, we, I usually release everything, re-release everything two days later than YouTube. Yeah. It's strategically like that. Strategery. <laughs> Strategery. <laughs> and um, thank you so much for watching us because we're watching you.